my but what I can do is give that person to God mm. because as long as I remain the judge, then I will live in anger and bitterness and resentment will kill me. Everybody. Welcome back to the Good Theology Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, David Campbell. David, how are you today? Good, thank you. You look splendid as always. And uh, yes, I'm here at FAST headquarters worldwide, also known as my office at my church. And uh, speaking of my church, I'm going to take an opportunity and do a shameless plug that everybody should go and listen to the new uh, EP that our worship team released, uh, C3LA Music. And you can listen to that anywhere. The EP is called Another Kind of Life. And uh, genuinely, in my non-biased opinion, the songs are wonderful. Um, and I would love for you to go listen. So yeah, there's that. I'm all done talking about Dwell Bible. So I thought I might as well use myself as a sponsor. Seems like a good idea. Well, I uh, so my, my wife has been enjoying the Dwell Bible app, and uh, so I, we really do recommend it. It's not just uh, something we're saying because they're being kind to us. Yes, but we also recommend C3LA Music's new album called Another Kind of Life, so go listen to that wherever you listen to music. And uh, David, today I want to talk to you about Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 20, uh, a passage of scripture that I'm sure has confused many um, and uh, perhaps even has schismed its way throughout different expressions of the church. Um, so it says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. This is Jesus speaking. Just between the two of you, if they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The, that verse for certain has been used in all kinds of different ways. Verse 19, again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Also an often misunderstood verse. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So help us out here, David Campbell. Uh, what What's Jesus on the about? This is a really important uh, passage. And... Uh, there's, you have to start with an understanding of forgiveness. Uh, and I, I found in my life that two things, that forgiveness is an incredibly, incredibly important pastoral uh, reality. And secondly, that people often don't, I'm sorry, that people often don't understand it correctly and therefore can't practice it. And therefore they wind up in all sorts of trouble, which is exactly what Jesus said. If you don't forgive, you'll be handed over to the tormentors. So he talks about, you know, confronting people who have wronged you. And, uh, but we have to understand, uh, 
you know, we could take that out of context and say, oh, well, you know, uh, that's gives me the right to go to you and say, hey, Jake, you know, that last conference you were at, you flew out of town before I even gave my talk. I'm offended with you. That's perfectly true. You did fly out of town before I gave my talk. It's just that I was like that. That example is sounding all too real. It was very real, and you weren't the only one. Your father flew out of town as well before I gave my. It's amazing anyone was left by the time I got up to speak. But anyway, I was very regretful not to be there. Trust me. So I could say, you know, you're you're a big loser. I'm really mad at you, and all the rest of it. Of course, that's that's not what Jesus is talking about in this right. in this. I did not sin against you in, in that. There's, there's got to be something redemptive here in what Jesus is saying as to how we handle confrontation. So let me just say to lay the foundation of it is forgiveness <clears throat> acknowledges, forgiveness starts with the parable of the two debtors, that I am the one that's had the big debt forgiven. Why right. is it being? Because Jesus paid the price for me. We talked about that in our last uh, podcast. Jesus paid the price for me. He was totally sinless. Mm-hmm. And I sinned against him. I've fallen. And uh, he has still forgiven me. That's the big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, when I come into my relationship with you, um, even though you may have, you know, treated me very badly by flying out of town, you know, I'm not saying it was in my talk and I was hurt and all the rest of it. Um, nevertheless, the fact of the matter is, I am a sinner just like you, and clearly of your debt toward me is not even in the same ballpark as the magnitude of the debt both of us owe to Jesus. And so Jesus is reminding us when we come to forgiveness and when we come to confrontation and dealing with these issues that we have to look at it within that perspective. And the goal, and then, so forgiveness starts by, uh, yes, acknowledging that you have wronged me or I have wronged you, we acknowledge that you, you can't, you know, pave it over and ignore it. If you, if you try to pretend that forgiveness is just, if you, sorry, if you believe that forgiveness is just pretending that nothing ever happened and we're just going to be very nice about it and I'll, I'll just suppress it, that won't get you anywhere. You can't forgive someone unless you acknowledge what they've done to you. You have to be able to express it somehow. Um, to them, I think is a really key detail because uh, a lot of times where we go wrong is someone harms us and we talk to a whole bunch of other people about it, but we don't talk to that person. Or, uh, or and I, I should say, we also think that the person who hurt us is the one who has to initiate the conversation. Um, they should come and apologize when many times they might not even be aware of the fact that they uh, sinned against us or that they hurt us. And Jesus even says that. He says, you go to them. Right. That's why I'm working my way up to getting to. Oh, sorry. Um, It's all right. Uh, Well, I'm offended again, but never mind. (laughs) No, that's that's fine. So what I'm trying to say is that any, any area where we're dealing with forgiving a wrong that was done to us, our mentality is that, you know, we're bound to walk in forgiveness because of what Christ has done for us. How do we walk in forgiveness, then, is the question. So you, it's not right to hold grudges, be angry at people, because what you're really doing 
especially when you replay the tapes in your mind or whatever you digitize that um you re replay the thing that was done in your mind and really what you're doing is and wishing you know imagining this person being you know wiped off the face of the earth you are taking the place of god you are sitting on the throne of god and neither you nor i have any right to do that because we're sinners we were the ones we're also people forgiven so what is forgiveness well forgiveness the the goal of trying to reach out to a person who has hurt us is reconciliation that's what jesus did for me and i want to do it toward you or anyone else that's offended me and so i come to it with the mentality that i'm a sinner like you even if you've hurt me i've hurt other people that puts it in perspective i will i i, I don't want to fall into a victim mentality where you know i'm the person that said all these horrible things done by all these horrible people um and and i live and feed off of that um when i go to you uh, my desire is reconciliation and to walk in the light with you. And it's also accountability because, as you point out, supposing, you know, to use our silly example, I'm genuinely offended that you left the conference early to go somewhere else. Um, and, uh, you know, supposing I'm not aware of the fact that the reason that you left was because there was a pastoral need in another city and a, a, something that God had called you to. Well, I am aware of that, actually, but supposing I wasn't. Supposing I thought, you just walked out the door. I didn't even know where you'd gone other than you hadn't come back again. Suppose that had happened just before I was about to speak, and I could be hurt or offended. So what is my responsibility? If I have a relationship with you, it's to go back to you and say, you know, Jake, uh, I, I don't know whether I'm getting this right or not, but I felt kind of hurt when you left the meeting and didn't didn't stay for my talk. Um, and I, I just want to, can, can we just work through this? And, and wow, man, I, you know, you might say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to own my part of it. I, I should have told you I had to fly out for this particular reason. Of course, as soon as I hear the reason, then I'm, then it puts it in a whole different perspective. And one of the reasons that people won't deal they'll gossip about instead of going back to the person is that they don't want to walk in accountability they would prefer to live in their little circle of bitterness than walk in accountability because if i come back to you and say jake you know i'm upset because of that then that gives you a place to say well david you know what you you you're dealing on incomplete information and readily that's not what happened at all so but the goal of both you and me in that confrontation, if you want to call it that, is that we would have our relationship restored. That's the goal. So that's the whole goal. The goal is not to me, for me to go and dump on you and tell you what a jerk you are and then feel better about it. The goal is to be reconciled. Right. And just, go ahead. It's, it's a tragedy when Jesus has provided this amazing way there is absolutely no place for gossip in the body of Christ. I used to harp on this as a pastor. Do not talk about other people behind their back. If it's a personal issue and you haven't talked to them, then don't come and talk to me about it. That's sin. Sin against the Lord because it's the Lord's body. I would also say that there's, there's probably a point of maturity that we should strive to reach where 
we can recognize that somebody's uh, hurting our feelings is very much intentional. And I think, you know, I think in First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul talks about love and how love believes all things or how love trusts. And sometimes I think a mature Christian can trust that somebody intended no harm and deal with that with God. Because if you're that person who who has, every time you have a little flinch that someone causes you to have and you've got to go to them, um, that's an emotionally immature person a lot of times. You have to be able to be, you have to be able to let certain things go because you, you understand what was going on there um, or that you believe the best about the person. Now that can't be always. Certainly there are things that we have to deal with um, by by going directly to the people who hurt us, but that's also something to consider as well. So, and, and that's a pastoral matter, you know. If we're we're trying to help people, mm-hmm. people come in all shapes, shapes and sizes, and some people are very emotionally damaged. Some people, you know, you might have someone who's been raped or abused. You're you're not going to expect of them the standard of someone who came who had a tremendous upbringing, who had no issues and wonderful family life and no trauma, you're going to expect a lot more maturity and higher standard of them. Obviously, you're going, if someone is, is, you know, has suffering from abuse in their life, then they're going to be very much inclined to be upset and hurt and offended at people. And it's a long process, you know. And, and a lot of times, as a pastor, you can, or even as a friend, you can walk with someone and say, you know what, that person really, there isn't even any reason to go to them because they really didn't offend you. And you can deal with it out of court, so to speak. You know, you don't have to go through the motions. But I, I really do feel that there are a lot of situations where Christians don't follow the pattern here and they get into trouble because of it. Let's talk further about that pattern. So you go to them, Paul, oh, sorry, Jesus says, uh, if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So there's a second step there. So Jesus is saying, okay, get some other disciples, bring them into the conversation. What does he have in mind there? Is that some kind of mediation that's taking place? Well, you see, he's quoting the Old Testament where it says that you can't just bring a charge without witnesses. So right. if I have a meeting with you about, you know, you skipping out on the conference and somehow we fail to resolve it, that's not acceptable. And so therefore, I need to go back and bring people in who are, have credible standing, preferably people both of us would respect. Uh, and so... They come into the situation and they adjudicate, um, but also that is part of my accountability because supposing I phone up, you know, uh, uh, su- su- supposing you, you say, well, let's have Pastor Pringle to come as an apostolic leader. And I say, okay, well, I'll have, I'll have Nathan Finocchio. That would spice things up anyway. So we've got, we've got Pastor Pringle uh, and no, bring, bring Gabe. Nathan. And we bet you now those those guys are not going to play favorites, 
that my point is, okay, I've got this complaint against you. I'm now going to submit it because that's my accountability. Uh, Nathan, Nathan, as it so happened, to continue our analogy, he was at that conference. So uh, what, what has he what what has he got to speak into that? You know, he was a witness to what was going on. So that's part of my saying, okay, I don't have all the truth in this. I am going to submit in the knowledge that there are others that may have a bit bigger perspective than me. And if they don't feel I have a case, then I don't have a case. Right. Yeah, I, again, I think it's important to reiterate that this is Jesus's second step so you're bringing people in, but only after you've gone directly to the person. Right. And I always used to say to people in our church, you know, if you have a problem with me, I mean, who could ever have a problem with me? But anyway, if you have a problem with me, then come and talk to me about it. Um, you know, but if you, if, if for some reason it's so difficult or sensitive that you feel you can't talk to me, we have elders in our church. Go talk to them. If you have a problem with all of us, we have apostolic oversight. Go talk to them. And and I gave people permission to do that. They could do that. They knew the phone numbers they could go to. That was a, a security, I think, for our, our congregation. But the ideal was, please give it a try. I don't want to hear from a third party that you're mad at or something. Of course not. You know, I, surely I'm not that intimidating that you couldn't have come and talked to me about it myself yourself you know so yeah, well, but so you know so jesus goes on he says okay if they still refuse to listen tell it to the church and if okay let's stop there before we go on to the next phrase so now jesus is saying okay you're going to bring it into what some kind of public gathering what what do you think he's envisioning here because I try to take that and I put that in the context of, you know, of my church or, you know, let's say a, a church that's operating on an, a larger scale than ours. You know, I, I can't, can't imagine you, you were just at a big church in Arizona, the pastor getting up and saying, hey, uh, such and such hurt somebody's feelings, but, you know, they don't see it that way. They don't want to apologize, even though it's been established by witnesses. So we just want everybody to know. This is what such and such has done, and we're all going to treat them now, Jesus goes on to say, as a pagan and a tax collector. So help us understand that. My take on it would be that, which is ridiculous, actually. Uh, my take on it is that we're now talking about issues that there's been repeated attempts uh, and nothing has worked. Um, and so bringing it to the church is probably bringing it to the leadership of the church mm -hmm. and believing it with them. Uh, because there's no reason to involve members of the congregation with people's private disputes. Uh, but uh, I will say that I've had occasions where uh, at least one, maybe two, but only one that I can remember the details of, where we had a, an ongoing uh issue uh, with a person in our church who was admittedly sitting and they were in a, an adulterous relationship and at the, this is several years ago 
And at the time, uh, several people knew about it. We were trying to work to restore. They and the other party in the marriage wanted to reconcile, but it was just on ongoing, um, and so no real repentance. And so eventually, we had to First Corinthians five that person <laughs> and uh, say, "Hey, can't be here." Um, and I publicly acknowledged that situation to uh, not on a Sunday morning, but at like a midweek you know, once a month gathering that we were doing at the time, um, which would be kind of like, you know, core people in our church at the time. Uh, I publicly acknowledged that to th to them so that, because otherwise there would, would be gossip. Why has this person been asked to leave? And so I think you can do that. It just requires obviously counsel and um, delicacy. So that, that, that would be the probably the closest instance that I can think of that resembles what Jesus is talking about here. But I like what you're pointing out well, about church leadership. Punchline is at the end, it's then treat him as you would, you know, the Pharisees and so on. Well, that's a, that. A pagan and a tax collector. But the, uh, Right. Um, and, and that opens up the question, what did Jesus mean by that? Right. You know, did he mean then you can just uh, treat him like a bunch of scum or did he actually mean you simply are treating them as people outside the church, but still right. need the grace and mercy of God. Yep. So you have to keep on loving them. Yep. You know, I, I really don't think at the end of the process that there's any way out of us continuing to love the people that have hurt us, because Jesus said, blessed are the, you know, that, that you've got to love those who persecute you, you know. And and uh, uh, I think that's part of the, the what I was going to, to finish my thought in forgiveness, forgiveness is giving the person and the wrong. Supposing there's an irreconcilable wrong. So I can't, you know, someone has defrauded me, you know, raped me, uh, done ter some terrible thing to me or my family. I have no way of dealing with it personally. Um, my, But what I can do is give that person to God. Hmm. Because as long as I remain the judge, then I will live in anger and bitterness and resentment will kill me. It's very, very difficult. I remember going through a very hard time many, many years ago in our church where we were badly hurt by, uh, you know, people that had come into our church with very ungodly motivations. And, um, and uh, at the end of it, the Lord resolved it. But... The battle against bitterness that ensued in my own heart after that it was severe. And I realized that I had to win this battle. It was just going to warp me if I couldn't win through to a, a place of love. Love not being, you know, ignoring what they've done, but love simply being, well, I've given that person to God to judge. I'm not going to judge them. And I eventually came around at the point of being able to see this couple at, you know, actually soccer games where our kids were playing without it. And I, I could say hello without it, the knife being stuck in. But that was because, because I had been able to give that all to the Lord. And what they'd done is now between them and God. Mm -hmm. 
and and I do believe that unless there's repentance, that people will reap what they've sown. You know. Anyway, those are some of my pastoral or life thoughts. Yes, yeah, no, that's really really valuable, very helpful. So we, we've established that there's an order here to reconciliation and forgiveness. And then Jesus makes a couple of uh, somewhat confusing remarks. So in verse 18, he says, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he goes on, If two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. These verses are often pulled out of context, having nothing to do with forgiveness, but it's very clear that this links directly to what Jesus has just taught about forgiveness and reconciliation. What exactly is he on about, though? Whatever I bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven and so on and so forth. What's well, that? The, the, the tense is um, an unusual tense. It literally means whatever I bind shall already have been bound in heaven. What it means is I'm binding what's already been bound in heaven, and I'm loosing what's already been loosed in heaven. So when you walk through this process, you're handing, you're in, you are cooperating with God. You're in, you are his representative, representing him in his rulership on earth, either binding or loosing what he has himself uh, determined. You are representing him. In the same way that when I express the love of God to someone, I'm representing Christ in expressing his love. And I take the um, binding simply to mean that that if a person is unrepentant in their sin and is going around damaging people, that uh, God will bring a restriction on that person and a, and a, and a discipline in that person. Whereas the loosing, um, I take to be uh, the releasing of forgiveness. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but the key part is that what we bind is already bound in heaven. We're only taking our Heavenly Father's will and enforcing it. So that is what we're doing when we walk through the process. Instead of gossiping, instead of backbiting, instead of being angry, we're walking through the process that Jesus laid out for us. We're going, we're bringing it to the cross. We're uh, asking God to come into this situation of, of uh, unforgiveness and, and brokenness and to bring reconciliation. And, at the, and, at, and we do absolutely, we involve other people. We make ourselves accountable. We do absolutely everything we can. Uh, and the whole of that is leading up to the release of the purposes of God on earth, whether through binding or loosing. That's, in a nutshell, that's the best way I've got of explaining it. Which is to say, then, if there is the establishment of wrong done, sin committed, and there is no repentance, and therefore there can be no real forgiveness, other than what you've previously described as trusting that person into the hands of the Lord and choosing not to hold on to bitterness in your own heart. But by definition, there's not really forgiveness because forgiveness is reconciliation. Well, uh, there is forgiveness, but there isn't reconciliation. 
So if the, I have forgiven you, but it's if it's not reciprocated, then there's no reconciliation. Right. That's a better way of saying it. So in the binding then, or is that like a pronouncement of judgment? Well, what? I, I just, Jesus talks about binding the work of Satan. So in walking through the process, we're binding the work of Satan. Um, and we're releasing the purposes of God. Uh, there's a positive and a negative in the in mm. the process. Even in the sense of saying God is judge, uh, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. He, he, your your enemy. You're supposed to eat burning coals in his head. Romans twelve. That's another scripture we could discuss some other time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the purpose of them coming to repentance. Is that Paul's complete thought there, right? Yes. Yeah, always. See, always the purpose is what the purpose of Christ was when he acted toward you and me. Mm-hmm. And then where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So it's there's even like a... You know, we might be tempted to kind of go, okay, well, here's earthly reality, here's heavenly reality, and there's this cord that connects the two of them, and it's like a phone line, and so like, okay, we know what's bound in heaven, we're going to bind that, we know what's loose, we're going to loose that, uh, which funnily enough, your point about the, the tense of that language makes that verse say exactly the opposite of what a lot of times uh, the the name it and claim it folks wanted to say it's like whatever i have loose in the earth is loosed in heaven so actually it's the other way around but um but there's not just this this bifurcated reality there jesus is actually saying uh no when you practice this the the two realities uh, they're actually present to each other where two or three gather in my name there i am with them so it's not just this like heavenly phone line that we have where it's like, okay, what's the will of God? Okay, we're doing the will of God. It's actually uh, Jesus in our midst, um, almost as though he is forgiving that person with us, or he is with us helping us to hand the irreconcilable situation over to the Father. Um, that's, that's the direction that my imagination wants to go in any way when I think about that that verse it's not just like what is the place of heaven want done here it's that the man of heaven has come to me has come to the the two or three of us who are gathered uh, in order that the will of god would be done what do you think about that well i think that's a great way of looking at it yeah that's forgiveness everybody and so i guess just to kind of wrap that up um the church has a, a authority. Uh, this would link closely to as well, I think, maybe I'm wrong about this, but this would link closely to um, Peter's recognition of Jesus as the Messiah uh, and talking about, I give you the keys of of the kingdom. Um, th- that to me seems like that passage would link to what's going on here in, in Matthew 18. And I'm trying for the life of me to remember where that is. Uh, is that chapter 16? 
I was going to say, I think it's like just prior. Uh, yeah. Well, and it, you know, there is a conceptual link in that the keys. Well, yeah, cause it's the same language, right? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So it's like there's this authority, which I take keys to symbolize, that's present there given to uh, the church here, kind of, uh, I guess, symbolized through Peter's revelation of Christ. Um, and that that church has, has authority to pronounce forgiveness of sins, which the Catholics have taken to you know, kind of to mean that in a, what would you say, a very institutional type way. Um, but we would say every Christian has authority to extend the forgiveness that has been given to them in Christ Jesus. Is that right? Yeah, the keys of the kingdom are the opening of the doors of the kingdom. The church corporately is represented by Peter, is the means by which the gospel comes to the nations and the keys are the opening and closing of the doors of salvation which are given into our hands through our preaching is salvation being part and parcel with the forgiveness of sins um which i guess is kind of the, the link there right and it's similarly to when you know Oftentimes you'll find this language of like you go to a place and they don't receive the gospel, so shake the dust off of your feet. Or in the book of Acts, Paul says, you know, you judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, so we're going to the Gentiles. Um, there's kind of that, the there's the opening of the door, but then there's the closing of the door as well, which the church has authority to do. Would that be down the right track? Yeah. All very interesting stuff. Um, all that to say. Flip. Don't mess with the church. Isn't that right, David? No, next year, next year, stick around for my talk. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us at Good Theology. Again, do us a huge favor. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. It's quick, it's easy, it's quippy, and you can check out all the fun podcasts that we have going on. We love you. God bless you. And we will see you next week.